0: The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Whether you're looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered.
1: Hello, principals, and welcome to the NAESP Principal Podcast. My name is Rachel George. I am an elementary principal in Oregon and an NAESP fellow.
0: And my name is Adam Welcome. I'm an elementary principal in California and a fellow with NAESP in the Innovation Center.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, Adam and I are just so excited to bring you all this NAESP principal podcast. So we can talk about, again, real ideas with amazing principals to really help make your leadership stronger and more innovative.
0: Yeah, so we have an awesome guest coming on today that we're both friends with, and we're excited to talk about some things with them. But um, I've read, I've read so many things and conversations in my district, Rachel, and other principals that I talked to you about. The summer and learning loss, and what does it look like, and unfinished learning, and all these different things, and school districts have plans for for summer school, and um, every place is a little bit different. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about that today, and kind of get into it, and see uh, see where we think we land in our students and and everything else. So, what are your initial thoughts about any or all of that?
1: Oh, fantastic question! You know. I think it kind of depends on the age level of students you're working with, you know, and I know that we have some middle school principals or even high school principals that listen to us because they've reached out and have given us some great feedback. And I have heard from a lot of middle school and principal or middle school and high school families that the kids have struggled. They've struggled significantly with that social aspect and to be able to reach out and connect with people. Depression rates have gone up. Um, Just it's just been a challenge for them. Now, if we want to zero in on elementary specifically, I think they've fared a little bit better. I don't know. What are your thoughts? You have some elementary kids in your house.
0: Yeah. So personally, and I know my kids are um, just a snapshot of families across the country. I feel my kids have done really, really well. And, uh, but I also say that knowing that I have been home for most of quarantine and distance learning and or my mom or my wife so they've had an adult and I know and not every family um, has had that situation some kids have been home by themselves or with an older sibling or or such but um hey just a shout out to all the teachers out there that converted their in-person classroom to their garage or a closet or an office or their kitchen and I know kids have learned how to read, and my kids are still doing math and social studies and project-based learning, and we're going by the school and picking up supplies, and they're back in person now on a hybrid. And um, I was actually talking to a principal, and they said, you know, we've we've actually changed our assessment, obviously because assessments have had to. I've had to change. So there's a different metric, but they've seen growth in their elementary school students in language arts and reading and, and also, in also math. So it obviously depends on where you are, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that there has been growth. This isn't the year, this isn't the wasted year. This isn't the wasted grade level. And I mean, I've read articles in like national publications that this generation, it'll, it'll hurt them in 10 or fifteen years when they get older. And I don't think that is actually going to be the case.
1: I don't think so either. And, you know, when I look at elementary kids, I think it helped develop a lot of resilience. And I think that some of them actually had more resilience than some of the adults did. Not that like that's a bad thing for adults, but I think we sometimes get set in our routines, our ways, and our expectations on things that are around us. And when you're young, think about how things are still so magical and so new right and so this is going to be a fantastic thing that students talk about you know 10 15 years down the road what a unique experience it's kind of like going to disneyland when you didn't know what disneyland was right like as an adult you maybe not like it actually there's a lot of adults that i know that really like disneyland and maybe that's a terrible analogy but i guess what i'm trying to say (laughs) adam is that these are gonna be great experiences for kids, and they're gonna be things that they always remember as they grow up. And let's be honest, the hard parts sometimes get softened out as you get older. And they're gonna look at this time as great mom and dad opportunities. The time that they got to zoom in and work with their teachers, hey, their tech skills, I have to say, tech skills in kinder and first are knocking it out of the park compared to what we've seen in the past. I actually don't know if I ever told you this story. Um, so stop me if i have but as a middle school principal coming down to the elementary it was a huge eye-opener and especially around technology and i remember having a conversation with a first grade teacher and i'm like how come you're not taking kids to the computer lab how come you're not working on some typing like they don't always have to be working on handwriting skills and the teacher looked at me, bless her heart. And she's a great friend of mine. And she goes, Rachel, have you ever tried to teach little kids how to type? And I'm like, no, but I'm sure it can't be that hard. So I took the kids to the computer lab for 30 minutes. I signed, I think the whole school up in 30 minute intervals. Cause I was like, I'm going to teach them how to do this. Well, hello. I had not taught below third grade. And so all of a sudden these little like kinder and first graders, I'm like, well, in order to get logged in, you have to type your first initial, your second initial here, are the numbers, it's your lunch number. One started crawling on the floor, barking like a dog. One kid's like, what's an initial? And I'm like, how do you know? It's the first letter of your name. And they're like, how do I spell my name? (laughs) I started sweating. I like pitted out super bad. There were kids underneath the table crying. Needless to say, the kids did not get logged in. They didn't even get on the computer that day. And I ate some humble pie when the teacher came back. I said, man, Leslie, you're completely spot on. I get this. This is a lot harder than uh, what I thought. And I'm so glad that I tried this. How can I help support? What are the skills that we need to do in order to get there? But you know what? That was eight years ago. They're all logging in now, which is amazing. I mean, and that wasn't something that we got until probably like June. So lots of progress forward.
0: So I've not heard that story before, Rachel, so I'm so glad you included it. But as you're talking, two things are coming to mind. First thing is, I think it's so important for principals to actually go and be the principal of different levels of school in your district. So if you're elementary, go spend a day or three days in middle school or high school, and then vice versa, because you think you know, but you don't really know until you actually see it and do it and ask questions. Um, And another thing too, and I know I've been thinking about this a lot lately because my school is back in hybrid, is the classroom is going to have to change. And there's going to, I think, be actually a nice refresh of our classrooms and hopefully of education, because there's a lot of things that we were doing previously that maybe we just can't, we can do them, but they're gonna look different. Like what is project-based learning? What does collaboration look like? With still being in a COVID world and keeping people safe for however long you know, that is going to be, we can't revert back to like pre-pre-pre-COVID education because there's been so many gains. So it's a big challenge, but I also think it's a super exciting challenge that teachers and leaders and kids and community members um, are gonna be a part of, but I think we really need to be careful with what we do and also how much we do of those things because the overload is real. Just like saying that there's been this huge across the board learning loss and then trying to stuff summer school interventions, programs down the throats of people, mainly kids this summer. Mm -hmm. Or next year, you know, I don't know, I think it's going to be, I think we have to be intentional, obviously, that's a really overused word, but we also, but we need to be intentional, we, uh, Mm -hmm. we really do.
1: And I think perspective matters. And as we talk with our upcoming guests, which I'm so excited about, she talks about that, right? Like, We have the option to look at things through a negative lens or be like, man, this really sucks, which yeah, there's parts of it that do, or all these terrible things happened. Or we can look at the bright side, shift our perspective, look at at it from another angle and think about all the positive things that have come out of it. All the different pieces of innovation, all of the gains and areas that we haven't had before, the forced change that it's made us go through. And I think you and I talked about this you and I both like some change and we're good change agents, but we also understand and know that we're kind of a little different, right? There's a lot of folks that sometimes are a little hesitant, a little scared and they like status quo. And this was probably a really hard time for them. But when you take a step back and you look at the growth and the perspective of how things have changed and how they're gonna change for the better, that's pretty awesome. And, And I think that if we can stick to that instead of focusing on the negative we're going to come out much better in the long run and you know you've read a lot of books of retraining how some of my self-talk works and if we focus on the positives and retrain how we're looking at things you're going to be so much better off than you know focused on the negative focused on things in the past that can't change let's move forward eyes wide open with a really good positive aspect at play
0: We are so excited about our guest today. Okay, so quick intro about our guest. This guest today is a principal uh, from the great state of Massachusetts. I personally have been picked up at the airport by this person in a minivan. This person is a living mom minivan life. We went to dinner, and then I think like a couple years later, I actually uh surprised her at her school and you know like when you go visit schools this was like a storybrook school you kind of come up over this little grassy knoll you come down this little path it's just kind of sitting there and uh liz garden is our guest today she was in a meeting she comes out uh we give a hug we're visiting the school super fun rachel i'm so excited for our guest today liz garden welcome to the podcast
2: Thank you for having me. I remember both of those incidents you talked about of uh, picking you up from the airport um, and eating in the North End. Yep, Um, that was before the marathon, right? I think, yeah. And then um, coming to my school. um, And it is, listening to you describe it, it is like that. It's so, it's just like you drive down the hill and there's there's Mayo Elementary, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was a cool experience getting picked up. I've only been picked up by a few other friends around the country. So happy that, uh, happy we did <laughs> part that. Of that. club, Cass Nelson surprised me at like 1130 at night at the Oklahoma airport. I was going to Uber to the hotel and I come out of security and she's there with her husband. So oh my uh, Cass Nelson is added to the added on that list. So yeah. today in the podcast, um, you know, you are part of the IPC, the innovative principal circle, the NAESP, uh, kind of mastermind group that Rachel and I, um, help facilitate with Andy Jacks and Gracie Branch, and just a a bunch of amazing people from the organization. And Rachel and I were talking about a blog post that you wrote. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to read uh, a paragraph from the blog post, and we're going to get into that. So from the blog, here's a thought, the kids will be okay. The adults, well, that's another story. But our kids are going to be okay. They have persevered. They have surprised us. They have shown us that they can learn in the classroom and at home. Yet everywhere you look, people keep talking about and writing about learning lost. What if, what if we called it unfinished learning? You brought that up at the last IEPC. Rachel and I were texting. We said, like, we gotta get Liz on the podcast. Um, where'd that blog post come from? I know you're a mom yourself, you're a principal. Where did it come from? What were your ideas? let's uh, let's get into it.
2: Yeah, you know, I think um honestly, like we we were talking with the IPC group, um, which I love. I love the conversations that come out of that that group. Um, and I think one of the groups I one of the focus groups I was in had that was talking about just, you know, um, being creative with instructional time and things like that and and this idea of learning loss, you know, it's everywhere we look. I mean, every article that gets written, every you know um, email that comes through, all the pub, um, all the different publishers, everybody's pushing that phrase of learning loss. And I feel like you know we just do this thing in education where, well, we don't do it in education. People outside of education push it on us. Um, you know where they, they come up with this statement, and in this case, it happens to be learning loss, and it's like, oh well, that's what's happening, I guess, because everybody's written it and said it, and. I just, somebody else had actually, I don't remember who in the group had said, what if we thought of it as unfinished learning? And I was like, yes, <laughs> like just, just that reframing, um, you know, so like I kind of played around with that in my head and I uh, I just, you know, I I got the like urge to kind of write it out there when I had gotten like yet another article that came out that said, you know, what are, strategies to help with learning loss. And I'm like, oh my gosh, can we please stop saying that phrase? Um, because it's not learning loss. I mean, to me, if I look at like learning loss, I think about like the kids are going backwards and, you know, my students, I mean, we have been, we started remote. Um, we you know, obviously we were remote in the spring. Um, we started the year remote. We moved to hybrid. Now we're full in person, but I, I can tell you that none of my students, like, I don't have any third graders that were reading and then suddenly there's that they're not reading. They've gone backwards. You know, like I I don't have kindergartners who are not learning their letters. You know, I mean, it's to me, it, that's not true. It's not learning loss. It's we have, we have unfinished learning. Absolutely. We haven't gotten through what we normally get through. Um, but that's the beauty of, you know, that's what I said further on in the post. Like that's the beauty of education. It's like, it's never done. (laughs) So, you know, um, They're gonna keep coming. (laughs) We're gonna keep teaching and learning with them. So, um, you know, just I guess I just was frustrated by continuing to see that that phrase, especially by people who aren't doing the work and aren't in the trenches. Um, I just feel like they don't get a right to say that.
1: For sure, I'm curious. Have you shared that phrase with your staff, and how do they respond?
2: Hmm. Well, so that blog post, I, I actually, I wrote, I write that post for my staff, really, like ultimately, I mean, I write, this year, it's been rough, I used to do it every week, um, I have to say my writing, my writer's block, <laughs> you know, the um, COVID has caused writer's block for me, so um, I, I have not been as consistent, and now it's pretty much every other week that I write a post, but I write those posts for my staff, so that, that post was written and shared with them, and they, you know, I guess I would say that, you know, when I share, they respond always and they'll say like, yes, you know, thank you, like that. Cause they're they're feeling that same frustration of, you know, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, it's our responsibility to educate kids. That's like a huge task <laughs> and that's our job. Um, and we've continued to do that even with the most unprecedented year, you know, ever. Um, so they, so I absolutely shared it with them. I mean, that's who I share it with first before I share it with like the rest of the world.
1: (laughs) I love it. You know, later in your post, you talk about how in like 20 years, people aren't going to be asking about your grades or um, how that year went, or if they got caught up. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I just wrote, um, so we have, my my school goes up to fifth grade. And so, you know, we do like a fifth grade yearbook for the kids. And so I just had to write my little kind of intro to the yearbook. And in it, I, you know, I said to the, my fifth graders, I said, you, you are, you are making history, right? And that I said, I hope that you, when you're grown up, you know, you're going to look back on this year and think like, man, you were amazing. You know, like you you had to deal with technology issues. You had to sometimes teach your teachers how to, you know, use the Zoom Zoom features. You know, you had to learn that you can learn outside of the school building, <laughs> um, and that. So, you know, I think um, I I do believe that, like, our kids aren't going to look back and say, "Oh man, I didn't get to get to fractions in fourth grade." Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> like that's just not what's going to happen. You know, um, they are going to I hope, look back and realize like, wow, like we lived through like something that, you know, not many people can say they lived through. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think even before the pandemic, my focus, I feel like is always on um, kids' mental health and their social emotional health. And then the academics are like the other part, you know, that come along with it. Um, and it's funny, we were just saying, cause since we started full in person this week, um, what, you know, kind of like I asked some of my staff, like, what are, you know, first of all, they're all exhausted. So I didn't really ask them a whole lot, but, but, you know, I, one of the things that we were c- talking about the other day was like, not that, you know, okay, now that they're in person, we're seeing where they are with their phonics or their math. But, you know, we said, oh man, we got to teach them how to play together again. Um, because, you know, that was, that was the, the observation that came out of like, At recess, they're sort of like, what do we do? (laughs) You know, because they haven't been around each other. Um, And so those were the conversations that came out of that first week, not so much like, oh gosh, you know, how are we going to get them back on the curriculum trajectory?
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the visit when I came to surprise you at your school. And I remember it was picture day uh, Mm -hmm. for the staff and your staff. I believe if I remember correctly was posing with their favorite picture book in their staff picture. And I bring that up because everywhere I see, uh, Rachel and I have talked about it, a lot of school districts are planning a robust summer school and they're trying to hire teachers and they're looking for people that aren't burned out, stressed out, and that just need a break after this, obviously very uh, unique year that we've been in. What are your thoughts on this? What are you doing? What would you recommend people do? And I bring up the reading piece because I just think reading is important all the time. And I know that you're a bibliophile, you're always writing and tweeting and talking about the books that you're reading, which I love, Rachel and I are very much on that same train. So uh, this is not a leading question, my friend of like, should kids just be reading this summer? But like, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on all of that? Or, you know, I know that your husband's a musician should kids be like playing music or doing extra those extracurricular things? What are your What are your thoughts, Liz?
2: I mean, I think um, I think my thoughts on summer haven't really changed that much from what they were, you know, pre pandemic. <laughs> um, I definitely, you know, like I'm I yes, I remember when my staff was posing with their favorite books, and of course, I'm like super, you know, readaholic. Um, and I, like before the pandemic. In the summer, I wanted kids to just enjoy reading. Like, you know, we, we kind of completely redid how, you know, it wasn't like a summer reading list where here's a list of books we think you should read. The kids made up their list. The kids, you know, recommended books to their friends. The kids, um, you know, would write to me and share what they have been reading. Um, I would do like, you know, summer, um, writing uh like before before like zoom and was a big thing i was doing like you know summer zoom sessions with my kids on you know just having them come and do like right at lunchtime with me like you know through the summer i mean and the kids would do it you know so i would want that to continue <laughs> um because that's not any different i don't i am worried that you know we, we just in our district we just sent out a survey to teachers you know okay the commissioner has said we need to have these summer academies um you know we, we've got to make sure that we're continuing with the learning for the kids um through the summer and you know my teachers are like um i can i i don't really want to say i want to do this yet because i i'm just trying to crawl across the finish line here for this year and i agree i said you know like i hope that we don't um I mean, it's gonna happen. I know there's gonna be these summer academies, but I, I hope that we don't lose the like, um, what summer learning can look like. Cause I think it's doable um, in a fun way, in a interactive way, in a, you know, let the kids kind of be involved in um, how their summer learning happens. It shouldn't be sitting in a desk, you know, three feet apart from someone uh, from nine to 12, um, just going back over, you know, reviewing some basic things. I think it should, you know, there's ways to make it um, engaging and fun. But I, I would say that was before the pandemic. We, we could have been doing that, and so we should still be doing the same thing. And absolutely, of course, reading. I mean, like that's like if, if I if my kids don't do anything except for like read a couple good books and tell me about it, then I will be happy with that. Um, you know, I think they have worked really hard, and we also like just like the teachers need a break the kids need a break too. I mean, like they've, they have, we have forced them to change constantly to, you know, we've had, I mean, we've had like four first days at our school, (laughs) like we you know, like we've like, okay, again, we're changing the schedule. Again, we're doing this. I mean, that, that takes a toll on everybody. Um, And, you know, I just hope that because we, like my, my state of Massachusetts has said that their main goal is, Children's mental health. And I, I want to believe that. But to me, if we don't, if we kind of shift our focus and really say that, you know, all that matters is we have these like intense um, summer academies that are academic focused, well, then we really don't feel like mental health is what's most important for kids. So I do hope that, you know, we will be able to um, have some leeway with that and, and make it be um, something that's available, but something that's appropriate, I guess, for kids
0: if if I was to start a district, Liz Garden, you're one of the first people I would ask to come lead a school because you're just your ideas and your vision and how you articulate them are just so they're so student and child focused. They're so teacher focused. They're so just like whole and, and passionate. Um, so thank you for being you and thank you for all that you do. And then the second part of this is the question, what what are you saying to parents, what should we be communicating to parents, because I know we just had conferences and report cards, um, where I am, and there were some questions about the ones and the threes and the twos and the fours and oh my gosh, and then then this and what are we going to do and um, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, things are in the media and our teachers know and our district's on board and we as the leaders, we need to educate our parents, on why we shouldn't be doing homework or this big robust summer school because the kids are okay and they will be okay. So just as a way, just to kind of get into your brain and then for other leaders that are listening to get some advice, what are you doing with communication? What would you do? What do you recommend to other leaders as they, as they think about and um, implement that communication plan to, uh, to the community?
2: Well, so I'll tell you about like, you know, I will say, I'll do my, what what's the Adam reference of, you know, the like 30,000 feet and then I'll zoom in. Um, <laughs> I'll go the opposite. I'll say, I'll t- tell you like a very specific um, example of just a couple weeks ago, a phone call I had with a parent, you know, the, the mom, I think she might even have emailed the teacher first, but then included me in the email and she was worried Um, you know, like every parent is about their kid. And she said, you know, okay, like, I mean, we probably need to talk, like, she's probably gonna have to repeat first grade, you know, and I said, whoa, 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 time out. (laughs) So, you know, um, I could have certainly responded to the email to say, no, we're not doing that. But, you know, I took the, I called her and I said, and I talked to her for about 45 minutes, um, you know, and I said, look, here's the thing <laughs> um, that this was before we hit even, I think this might've been like when we had moved to hybrid. So her child was coming in two days a week. Um, and I said, let's, let's just like wait and see. You know, I said, your, your child is not somebody that we are worried about. Um, And we're, we just made this change. Now she's coming in two days a week. Um, It's not even, we go till June 18th. We have a long time here. And oh, by the way, I'm not um, retaining any kid, (laughs) just so you know, like that, that doesn't work. That isn't helpful. Um, But your kid's going to be okay. Um, You know, and so she was, like grateful that I had that conversation with her and she felt better. And because also I, you know, I, she's like, I don't have any other kids. Like, I don't know what to like think of and like what to compare her to. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, the good thing is like, we, we have a lot of kids and we know, (laughs) and the other thing is, is you don't need to compare, you know, I mean, because she's going to be on one, you know, her, her, um, her performance from the start of the school year to the end is going to look one way and the kid next to her is going to look different, you know, and, and that's okay. So, you know, that was kind of a specific example of communicating with parents. I feel like, um, a lot of times there are, you know, you can't do that with every parent, obviously, but there are many that just need that, that personal, um, phone call to, um, just to help them and to understand and to relate with them as, as a parent, you know, I was like, I have a first grader and a kindergarten in my house. They are living through a pandemic too. They are only going to school two days a week, and now they're going, you know, um, five. And I'm like, and, and and they're doing okay. And you know, like just like let them let them do their thing this year, you know. Then if I go out to like the larger context, I mean, I um, again before the pandemic, <laughs> I always. I realized that with my parents, um, that they weren't always reading what I would write, you know, which is fine. So I recorded, I started recording video messages to my parents. And so, you know, they knew about my video messages before we kind of closed down the school. And then that was my only way to communicate. So now I continue to do that. And I am brutally honest, (laughs) sometimes to the point where, you know, um, parents will email me and say, thank you for saying what you said. You know, I'm like, and not being afraid to say that and i was like oh shoot should i have like censored myself i don't know. <laughs> like you know sort of like after the fact um but i mean i you know i feel like i have um built a very successful um strong community um support base in my school because i have been so honest with parents through all of this to say you know i've, I've told them that i've told them that i've had like mental breakdowns at home with my own kids I've told them that I have lost my patience like big time, you know, um, I have told them that, you know, the teachers that I have a teacher in my office every morning, a different one crying because they're trying to get through this. Like I have shared all of that, um, you know and even when I've even when we were gonna make the move to um, come back full in person, my first video message to parents was, um, I said, okay, normally I come on here with answers. I'm coming on with a list of questions because I've got a bunch of questions that, you know, as soon as the commissioner kind of made the statement and was like, it was on us to like get it to work, I said, here's my questions. I'm not sure how I'm going to feed the kids. I'm not sure how we're going to do standardized testing, even though I don't even want to do standardized testing. I'm not, you know, I had like a whole bunch of questions and parents were like, thank you because, you know, I didn't have any, not a single answer in that video, but people like thanked me for the message because they were like, okay, good. Like, you know, you have the same questions we have. (laughs) So,
1: well, you're not alone. Those are the same questions that I have been fielding. And I know many other principals have, you know, Adam and I have talked about that learning loss and our kids going to be okay. And then do I retain my kid? And especially in those primary years, K one, two, it seems like it's, it's a hot topic for sure with families. Mm -hmm. And I just applaud you for how you're addressing and, you know, facilitating those conversations because they're tricky, they're really tricky and they're individualized for each family. so I kind of want to take it to a, a positive lens, which all of it has been, but I, you know to kind of finish it out on on a high note, what are some of the amazing things that you think our kids have learned through the last twelve months?
2: Um, you know, I think number one um, I mean I, and I saw it this week like every day this week, you know um, I think our kids have learned like um, how much like the school um, is you know is a a safe place for them and a you know a joyful place for them and and they they you know it's just seeing all of them like run off the buses and be like i'm so glad i'm here you know <laughs> like um and and so i think that they they have learned you know like and maybe it's like more like an appreciation for the school um I think some students had that, but you know, when it's taken away, when it's just like ripped right out from under you one day um, and you don't realize that it's gonna be a whole year before you're back there, um, I think like the kids, I mean, kids who normally would, not that they didn't like school, but they would certainly never say they were excited to be there, um, you know, they are like, I'm so glad I'm here, you know? Um, And so I think that there is like that appreciation, which has been really amazing to see. I think that, um, I think they've also learned just how much the, kid, the teachers um, care for them and do for them, um, you know, like just because the communication, I mean, um, that, that communication that has changed, that I've seen change from teacher to student, you know, I mean, I got an email this weekend from a teacher that forwarded, a, a student had emailed her a fifth grader, just some, some problems, that she was having and you know the teacher was like okay I'm, I'm going to address this with her but I just wanted you to know and like we wouldn't have had that before of of t- kids like reaching I mean some of them would but it's on such a bigger scale so I think you know just that that um, connection has become even stronger I think um, the relationships between staff and students um, and I mean I, like I said in the you know the blog they like perseverance you know they have learned to you know oh my gosh, the Google Meet like went down again. Like we had, we had a couple of days where we lost like entire internet in our whole um, building when we were remote. It was like, oh great, this will be good. Um, and you know, parents are calling like, uh, it's like something's wrong. I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, it's like, we have no internet. <laughs> um, but kids, you know, like then it was like getting, it was getting fixed. And we, we were finding like fourth and fifth graders were, and I mean, some people would say, this is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. They were creating their own Google Meets like one of my teachers, she's like, I finally got on and they were like going over a math problem together. They were, you know, like they were solving a word problem together. And it was like, and, and I know some people are like, Oh, we can't have the kids like in a group by themselves. And I'm like, well, I mean, if they're going to like do word problems, you know, like I'm like, I'm all for it. you know. <laughs> like, so I think, you know, the kids doing things like that um, is, is super awesome. Um, so there have been a lot of positives, I, I think for sure.
0: Yeah, there's always silver linings, I think, in every situation if you look for them. We're gonna link the blog post in the show notes and we recommend everybody go and read that blog. And I think one more reference I'm gonna make to your blog post is you're gonna read it and then you're gonna scroll down, maybe thinking there's more and there's not. It's it's to the point and it's short and it's succinct. And Liz gets in and, and she gets out. And I would say use that as a mental template as you plan for whatever you're gonna do or recommend for your students this summer or for next year. I think because so many people just try to complicate things and we're gonna do this and all these levels and instruction that's targeted and focused and laser focused and all these things. And I think we just, we, we just muddy the waters on our own um, <laughs> by ourselves and we, we complicate things. So um, Liz, are you gonna be in Chicago this summer for the NASP conference? You know it.
2: Yes, yeah. I am. In fact, I'm like, I think I'm doing a couple of presentations that I might want to get working on. But um. <laughs> you, have
0: you have some time. You um, have some time. But if you didn't know, uh, I know you know if you've been listening to the podcast, because Rachel and I have been talking about it, the NASP conference this summer. It's the 100th anniversary in Chicago. Chicago is a fun town, it's a great town. If you want to hang out with Rachel George in person, come. Adam, welcome. Liz Garden, and so many other people naesp.org go sign up if you want to connect with liz she has the best twitter handle principal garden just how it sounds on twitter she's amazing liz garden you are a gem you are a gift to education um i thank you for your friendship nasp thanks you for all that you do and um thanks so much for coming on the podcast
2: thank you always a good time to chat with you
0: The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Andy Jacks here, Senior Fellow for NAESP Centers for Advancing Leadership. Whether you are looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered.